0: You're listening to Sips of Sanity. Your toolkit for emotional and intuitive intelligence, or what we like to call the dirty work. Let's do it.
1: Hello, Kelly. Happy New Year, Karen. Mhm. Happy New Year to you too. We have a series to start off 2023 on boundaries. Amazing. And I picked it purposely for January because I thought, what better way to start a brand new year by looking at our patterns um, and what what blocks us from actually setting boundaries. So this whole series is going to be on what blocks us.
0: Mm, okay, cool. Because we've done boundaries in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so to understand our obstacles is going to be really beneficial.
1: Yeah. And I know that it comes up for you a lot in terms of being a life coach where um, your clients are looking to learn how to set boundaries. Now, I know that it also comes up in terms of energy healing where people want to be balanced in terms of their chakras, thinking that if I'm about in a balanced position energy-wise, that I'll be in a better position to set boundaries with other people. Or they will ask things like, can you tell me what's blocking me? Not understanding that it has nothing to do with the energy centers, and it has to do with all of these different things that we're going to talk about that are the real reasons behind um, why they aren't able to set boundaries and enforce them. So we're going to do five days of covering five different topics as to why. And I want to give due credit to Terry Cole, who I follow on Instagram and love her book, Boundary Boss. So if anybody's interested in following her or buying her book, I would highly recommend it.
0: Can I double back? Yeah. Because I think people who enjoy energy healing or believe they practice energy healing are losing their fucking minds right now. So you mentioned that... When we ask, you know, can you balance my chakras and you're saying it has nothing to do with that. It, it has everything to do with setting boundaries. Mm. You're right. But let's, let's speak the energy healing language as well and say that a lot of people will walk into their Reiki master's office or whoever it is you're seeing and they'll say, you know, I really feel like my throat chakra is blocked.
1: Mm. And it's like,
0: yeah, you're not wrong. But that requires a boundary.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think what people really misunderstand in terms of energy healing and why it's hated on so much, and I I can appreciate it, is that, yes, that got blocked at a certain point, likely because of abuse, mm-hmm. right? Because you suffered abuse or rejection and you shut down figuring, mm-hmm. okay, I need to behave a certain way in order to survive this environment, this relationship, this world, mm-hmm. et cetera. So something occurred in your life for you to develop a belief system to shut down Mm -hmm. that throat chakra if we're still staying with the energy healing language. So you don't just get to walk into an energy healer's office and say, open it. Mm -hmm. you actually have to get the message to understand here's where the wounding message came from. Mm -hmm. Here's what you can do. Here are your tools so that you can actually speak healthier, which Mm -hmm. is the only thing that's actually going to open up that chakra that you're talking about. And that goes for the other centers of of
1: energy in the body as well. Yeah. And And you mean, both you and I are energy healers. We're not trying to bash energy healers in any regard, but we we both understand from doing years and decades of energy work where we see people coming back in repetitively saying, well, I left here and I felt great for about two days. And then after that, I felt like my throat chakra was closed again. And it's like, ah, yes. And on the third day, did you happen to run into your father? <laughs> or or whatever it is. Yeah,
0: whoever made you feel like I I can't speak, I can't stand up for myself. I right your yeah. your fundamental rights, you don't have the ability or the um
1: worthiness of upholding them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so the what, what I guess maybe just to sort of wrap this this part of the conversation up around the energy healing is that Your energy healer can help you, but can't do it without you doing your own work, which is your point. Mm -hmm. Our first topic this week is family. And that makes a ton of sense, given that if we don't go back to our family of origin, and I mean that as your primary caregivers when you were a child growing up, through your teenage years, when you're supposed to go through individuation processes, where you're supposed to be taught how to set boundaries and how to enforce them in healthy ways. And I say healthy because there are people who can in set and enforce boundaries in unhealthy ways. An example of that would be to, to yell or to scream one at you. I said, don't do this, um, where parents use tone of voice or use any, I'll say, any of the 15 forms of verbal abuse would all be examples of trying to set and enforce a boundary in an unhealthy way.
0: Okay. Can I give an example?
1: Mm -hmm. I was talking to someone yesterday
0: and they said, well, I just tell people through the month of December that you're not going to see me and I'm busy and you can't be mad about it. And, 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 and this is what I'm doing and you can't say anything about it. You had a lot of ordering in there. Right, wow. you Like it's okay. And, and here's where I think people get really messy is that maybe she in fact has identified that it's a crazy chaotic time for her, mm-hmm. that she doesn't have the time, energy or desire for a lot of social gatherings. Mm-hmm. She's going through an evaluation process of what's important and what she's going to prioritize. But then she unhealthily started to order other mm-hmm. people and told them what they weren't allowed to feel. Mm. That's a crossing of boundaries. And yeah. that's also not a healthy enforcement of your own boundaries. That's right. So there's two things happening there. Yeah. Two unhealthy things. And unfortunately, the priorities that she recognized were excellent. Yeah. She could have, in fact, said, Hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what I need. Mm-hmm. I'm checking in with you about your needs so that we can figure out, you know, collaboratively how we can be there to support one another mm-hmm. instead of saying, bye see you all later don't come mm-hmm. near
1: me yeah she as you said she started off on a good foot <laughs> trying to assess her own her own needs and then really really fell flat on her face in delivery now in her defense I am
0: sure that she comes by this honestly. Yeah. Because people who come from secure attachments or who have developed secure attachments in their relationships mm-hmm. don't feel the need to do these things. That's right. They don't feel the need to defend and attack, defend and attack. Correct. So yeah. while I don't condone the behavior, I do want to say that there is a ton of empathy and compassion for those who feel that they need to enforce
1: in this kind of a way. Mm-hmm yeah because like you're you're saying she's she's obviously lived in an environment where she's been attacked frequently, and her coping mechanism is to come out and attack back mm-hmm. or attack first, perhaps correct right to to fend off any possibility of attack, even if there is none on the horizon mm-hmm. Which makes as you said, makes it very difficult then for other people to meet her or to even to approach her in a healthy, open place.
0: Correct. And and so I think about her being, you know, in her fifties. Mm. You're talking about let's go back to our family of origin to understand why we didn't develop the ability to set healthy boundaries mm. or observe healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. And now she has her own family. She's got children who consider her their family of origin. Yeah. And this is what they're growing up in. Yeah and how do how do children whether they are dependent teenagers adult children how do they approach mom or dad or whoever it is to
1: say i have a need right yet yeah, becomes impossible and and this is this is one of uh, you know uh, a beautiful point that if we have parents who are putting their own needs first and not communicating in healthy ways to teach us how to set boundaries, because we're looking for them to teach us how to do it. If if they're not changing their own patterns, and they're not bothering to listen to a podcast or read a book, or go to therapy, or go to group therapy, or whatever, just to do something to change their own pattern, then... When you're supposed to be learning to do this right from the time you're just a toddler and you're heading into kindergarten or you're going through the individuation process in high school in your teen years, then the only thing you've got is that go-to that this is what I've seen by my parents and I model that or I respond to that. Or I do the opposite of that
0: because I don't want to be it. And and really, yeah. long story short, you're talking about perpetuating generational trauma.
1: Exactly. And you may have a mom that does one, a dad, or, or, or two parents, whatever, I'll just say two adults, that may have two behaviors, and you look at both of them, and they're both unhealthy, but you're trying to pick the one that you think that you're going to be able to live with because it's going to get you your needs met. Yeah. I want to say too. You can put yourself first as a
0: parent. That is mm-hmm. not the thing I want people to fixate on. Mm-hmm. She has every right to set a boundary with yeah. you know this chaotic period in her life, and she doesn't also need the excuse of chaos to, to put herself first. That's right. However, you also have a responsibility while you're doing that to create collaborative conversations with the partner or the age-appropriate children to say, and while I go get my needs met –
1: Let's set you up so that you've got success while
0: I'm absent.
1: Yeah, and there you go. There's your uh, secure attachment style Yeah, versus the, and I hear your words, Kelly, so I hear when you're discussing the qualities of the secure attachment family versus the chaotic, the um, disorganized, disorganized um, anxious, avoidant attachment yeah. styles, which if anybody doesn't know those, we have another Sips of Sanity series on those. Fuck off. We even have a book club on it. <laughs> <laughs> Starting January 8th. We too. That's true. It's Attachment by Annette Cousin is going to be our next book read. Yes, on patreon.com forward slash the
0: Sarlos, which is also where you can find the rest of these Sips episodes.
1: Right. Yeah, the other four. So if we go back to the family then, I want to cover a couple of more things. Um, and one of them is where we have some family dynamics, where there are two sets of rules. So you've got um, maybe parents that are saying, uh, we set boundaries, this is what your father and I want, or or your mother and I, or whoever, genders, whatever it is going to be for you. Um, And they have their own set of boundaries, but there there are, uh, are no boundaries for the children. So the parents demand that the children respect and follow the boundary rules for them. But parents can do the exact opposite. So for instance, say you have teenagers in the home and you say parents say you're not allowed to come into my bedroom um, or you have to ask before you go into my purse. But you have children and you go through their purse. You go through their bedroom. You um, go through all of their personal belongings. So there's an example of double standards for boundaries, which then you can well imagine that those teenagers can hardly wait to have their own kids. Like some of them are going to be so anxious to have children without even knowing it, because they may want to then be able to turn that on their own children and say, now it's my turn. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm going to become my parents and I'm going to, I'm going to do the same thing and enforce the very same rules because my parents did this.
0: And, and again, you said, you know, not even knowingly, it's not necessarily because my parents did this. It's because mm-hmm. I want the balance of control to shift. Yeah. And this is one way to do it is to have someone dependent on you so that you've got ultimate control.
1: Yeah, and that that leads also into other scenarios where you may be 50 and you've still got parents doing this to you, and now you're a boss at 50 years old, and so you're crossing all of your employees' boundaries. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, you're still looking to create some sense of power control in your life. And, hmm, you know, you might think, oh, it's not an issue, I'm 50 years old, I'm over all of that, when in reality, you're not in the least. Mm -hmm. And in a, the very same kind of scenario then, Kelly, you may be doing the very same damn thing where y- you, you want that balance of control over your siblings, where you, you cross your siblings' boundaries the way that your parents crossed yours. Mm-hmm. But you expect your siblings to adhere to yours um, much like your parents did to you. And so it continues. And you, can you imagine If this is going on in a large family, and then you have all the in-laws and all the grandchildren, and as you said, that this can continue from generation to generation then, it creates quite a mess. Okay, I'm just gently and quickly going to touch on one topic, because we'll go into it more in another show, but I wanted to talk a little bit about religion and how in some families, parents will use religious rules, honour thy parents... From the Bible, that that's just one example. I think that's the fifth commandment, um, to to try and enforce a boundary.
0: Did you have to look that up? I did because I feel like you've done enough recovering that you wouldn't know what number it is. And I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
1: that's good. That's funny that you've caught me, but I'm glad that I don't know it anymore. Recovery looks different for everyone. I'm, I am glad that I didn't know, but I, I did want to bring it up because I remember very much being raised in stuff like that, where you, you went into, your parents used religious dogma, and I'm not picking on Catholicism, I'm saying it's in all religions. You're using an example you're familiar with. That's, that's, fine. that's all from my own childhood, where, um, where parents and family members want to use religious texts to enforce boundaries, That are And I'm going to say this, that are unhealthy. And I'm not saying every religious boundary is an unhealthy one. Mm -hmm. I'm saying some and that we need to be aware of those because parents who want that imbalance in control are definitely going to find every one of those unhealthy religious beliefs. And they're damn sure that they're going to hone in on those and drive those home to everybody. Yeah, whatever benefits them. You got it. Yes. Okay,
0: well, that's going to be a fun episode. Is that Wednesday? (laughs) I can't remember off the top of my
1: head. Good enough. Is there anything else that you want to add before we close the show? Yeah. So a good question to ask yourself then is when you were growing up, were you able and encouraged to have your own thoughts and to be aware of and express your own feelings? And this can be a good indicator as to whether you were encouraged To know your own thinking so that you could develop your own boundary setting. Um, And were you encouraged to feel truthfully what you feel and be able to express that? Or were you you forced to suppress that? Because those are good indicators then if you had parents who didn't want you to be able to think or to feel. So that they had full control over crossing um, any boundary that you might set or dissuade you in any way from ever creating any on your own.
0: Okay, I would like to just add a little bit on top of what you're, t- you're mm-hmm. saying, because a lot of people don't want to see their parents in a negative light they don't want to point mm-hmm. look like they're pointing a finger they don't want to fault them they will defend their parents mm-hmm. right until you know beyond death yeah. and i'm we're just asking people to be really honest about this question right and honest mm-hmm. about your reflections some people will listen to this and they'll say like no i had my own thoughts great we're glad that you did and we're glad that you remember that but the important part was the second piece of were you free to have them and feel what you feel without repercussion without mm-hmm. criticism or judgment without abuse or neglect or or any of these things and a lot of people will say well it didn't matter i i had my own thoughts anyway It does matter because Mm -hmm. whether or not you held on to your thoughts, and kudos if you did, if you had that strength to keep thinking your own thoughts and feeling your own feelings because some people just shut down, regardless of whether or not you had the strength to hold on to those things, it affected you. Mm -hmm. And so you may be one of those individuals or adults at this point who is also running rampant with your own quote unquote boundaries, setting or enforcing them in unhealthy ways, Constantly trying to defy the resistance that you had from your parents that you learned in childhood. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yes, you might have held on to your individual self, but you might constantly be defending
1: it right now. Mm-hmm. And
0: that doesn't mean that you're a necessarily healthy person.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. Kelly, thank you very much for adding all of that. Mm-hmm. Now we are at the end of the show for today.
0: Thanks for listening to Sips of Sanity. Catch the full monthly workshop on patreon.com forward slash the Sarlos.